0: Hey, it's Lisa Winnie here with Business Casual. I'm here with Miles Brown. Hey, Miles, what's up?
1: Hey, what's up? Lisa, what, what do we got on the uh, plate today? What are we talking about?
0: So we got a couple of really cool topics today. Well, we're going to be talking about work spouses, politicians in sports, which in my personal opinion, I don't believe they should be there. The power of savings and then the effects of the constant yo-yo dieting and what it really can do to your body and your self-esteem and all that jazz. But I do want to give some of, you know, a little bit of some background on this work spouse thing. So I've had a work spouse. I am a part of many people who have had a work spouse, but I was reading an article, which kind of brought in a different perspective for me because I wasn't thinking about it in quite the same manner. So according to CNBC, uh, scientists did like this whole study with 276 respondents and they were asking them about their work spouses. And of these 276 responses a high number of them showed that they felt that they were more successful because of their work spouse. So they exhibited better characteristics of um, having the high level of support and disclosure and trust and honesty and respect. And that's a great relationship, even outside of work, that's a good relationship. But only two out of those 276 respondents said that they had a sexual encounter with their work spouse, which I think might be a little low. And then 80% said they were not even attracted to their work spouse. So what, what is the whole work spouse thing about? What, what does that mean to you?
1: Work spouse to me is a convenient, uh, term to use with someone that you, I feel as though that the two people find, sexually attractive, but since it's at work, it has to be done in like a playful, jokey joke manner. Um, I do believe that in a lot of situations that work spouses are truly platonic, like especially when it's like an older gentleman and a younger woman and um, you know, like the sexual chemistry might not a hundred percent be there, but for the work environment, it's advantageous for both of them to be really, really close. Um, So in those situations, I can kind of understand the work spouse. When I, when I think it's a problem is when both people are around the same age, they're both very much so attracted to each other. And this is just an excuse to be closer to their crush throughout their work day to make it easier. So Uh
0: it's true. I mean, I don't know. Because even I don't think age will necessarily be that deciding factor. Because usually in right. relationships or in even pl- platonic friendships, not always, but a lot of the time in this male female dynamic, there's one party in that situation that's thinking the situation is not what it is. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, they believe that it's a little bit more than what it is, or they potentially have an opportunity to make it more than what it is. So I don't know if the work spouse is necessarily the contributing factor to the success of the individual. So when they contribute having this work spouse as their success factor, I don't know I a hundred percent believe that I think a lot of it comes from uh, other things. So it makes the day easier. You know, if you have that, you know, coworker, like I know I, when I worked in in corporate America and coming into cubicle nation and I had my home girls who were out there and when she, called out from work. I wanted to call her and pretty much fuss her out because my day was going to be rough without like, <laughs> I cannot believe you left me. Like it just, yeah. was, but it wasn't that she necessarily contributed to my success. She just made my day a lot easier. I was able to have fun and not realize the task that I was doing because at the time I was working a job that I really didn't like. Mm -hmm. So when you're in that situation, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier when you are with somebody that you enjoy being around. Now, like I said, it could be doesn't necessarily have to be a man or in that situation for myself. But I have had someone that I guess would be considered like a work spouse. So we would go out to lunch all the time we would talk a lot, you know, we would share information, and to be totally honest with you, it probably was a little flirty, or flirtatious, which Mm. can get a little bit tricky, I mean, eventually, of course, it never went any further past that, but if the shoe was on the other foot, and, because I'm I'm married, I've, I've been married with the same individual for a very long time, about almost 15 years. So if the shoe was on the other foot, I would be upset.
1: And see, that, that would have been my question. Could you take it if the shoe was on the other foot? Because when I think about the work spouse relationship, I truly can see how it's just, it starts out so fun and like, oh man, this is so easy. It helps my day go by times flying you know uh if you're a woman you get that nice little boost of flirtation if you're a man it feels good to have somebody you know flirt with you throughout the day so it's like it's this unspoken little chemistry that's veiled in oh this is platonic but we can't lie and say that little flirtations here and there don't make us feel good and we get a little dopamine spike from here and there throughout the day and I just feel like unchecked it could lead to financial ruin and emotional baggage. What do you mean by that? So have you ever, <laughs> if you're, if you have a work spouse and let's just say it does, you're attracted, they're attracted, but you're both really trying hard to just be friends and just be work spouses. But then you know, one day, um, in, you, you know how it go. You know, one day, you and your husband or your wife, y'all get into a little thing. You can't wait to get to work to tell, you know, your, your work spouse what's going on. And then that emotional vulnerability opens up a small door and gets a foothold in. And now it's like, mm, let me take you to lunch every day. Let me show you how I can treat you. Uh, and give you the attention that you may not be getting at home. And I just feel like that continues to, it's like digging. You're digging, digging, digging. And then one day you just hit the bottom of that well and that water springs up. That flow of emotion takes over you and y'all in the conference room somewhere.
0: (laughs) No, I see what you're saying. And that is very true Um, with, Works Because you spend most of your time, to be totally honest, you spend probably most of your day, especially awake, with your your coworkers. You see them more often, and it does start to get a little tricky when you start bringing home your baggage from the house to work, which a lot of people do. I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen people complain about their kids, about their spouse, about everything, their family at work. And so when you are bringing that information Now, I say this even outside of work spouses. When you start inviting other people into your relationship, oh, yeah. Start to invite problems, trouble. (laughs) Because once people have that data and information, they can use it the way that they want. So Mm -hmm. they can flip it on you. So if you bring that information to your work spouse, one, yes, they can fill in those gaps that you're missing because now I know how to get you. So you yeah. know, if your husband is not a romantic, I'm going to bring you flowers every day. Mm-hmm. Or if your wife is not ambitious, ambitious, I'm going to show you how ambitious I can be and that I have my own money and I do this and I do that. So I I see where that can go, but it can also go on the flip side. So let's say you give this information, but then you and your husband or you and your wife make up. Now they can use that against me. I thought you said... He did <laughs> so much so to you. So it goes both ways. So that's why I don't like to bring outside baggage in because it does invite outsiders into your relationship. And once you have too many people in the relationship, it
1: starts to go south. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I guess... And, the, and You know what? I But I don't want to harp on it on just a negative standpoint because I truly do believe we need friends in the workplace. We need people that we can lean on. We need people that we can trust at work, but the title "work spouse" Just there's something about the connotation of spouse that leads me to believe that there's some form of romanticism here. And it may not be on your end, but I would I would really want to know if on that study, they were able to ask both parties what they felt instead of just one party.
0: Mm, good. That's, that's a great question because it doesn't say um, whether they asked you know, both parties in the relationship. But yes, when you start adding in spouse, it does add that romantic element into the mm-hmm. conversation, which can certainly be problematic, and this is what I mean by, you know, one person usually will think that it's a little bit, they can take it a little bit further than the other, especially if you're not on the same page. I'm not saying you can't have, if you're a female, I'm not saying you can't have male friends and vice versa, but I think it becomes more difficult when you do have somebody, It just in my opinion, it is just my opinion, it just becomes more difficult to keep it platonic. Because yeah. of all of those you know factors, and you know especially if the person who is your coworker or your work spouse is more attractive
1: right that can,
0: right. you know or attractive, not even more attractive but attractive that can become it can complicate things a little bit because. You know, we're human beings, so it can, can definitely complicate things a little bit. But on the flip side of that, I mean, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on it. Does it add okay. a good element of competition, though? So with your, cause your spouse. So let's mm-hmm. say if you know that you have a, a like a coworker or work spouse that is extremely um, a go-getter. They're very. Driven, they're doing all the things that they should do, but they're very respectful to w- maybe to women, and they do they listen and they're more compassionate and to bring some of that information to your spouse that kind of may be elevated, or do you think that just adds an element of jealousy and envy and conflict?
1: I'm gonna tell you like this I have an example okay. so, I used to when I was working at um well, I can't really get into it because I had a clearance. Okay. Uh, when, I was, when I was working there, there was a young lady who was, like, from where I was from. So, like, it, it was a very diverse group of people. So okay. when you run into somebody that's kind of from where you're from, you end up kind of hitting it off a little bit more than everybody else because you have something in common. So what I realized was this woman was really, really ambitious. Um, And me and my my wife at the time were having like struggles trying to figure out, you know, what we wanted to do in life, where where our direction was going. And what I didn't like about the situation was that I got too comfortable. You know, like I was telling this, you know, this woman at work because we were such good friends, you know, things that was going on and what it did. Was it opened up a way for that woman to kind of compete with my wife? Oh, okay. And she would, when I got to work, already be asking me, "Is everything good at at home? Are you are you straight? What's going on?" Like, just like she wanted the tea. She wanted me to the conflict. Okay. Yeah, and it was starting to fuel this little competition so i would go home tell my wife like oh such and such did this today and we got this happening at work and you know we came together and did this and now you know we're looking at a promotion and all of these great things but my wife was like wait a minute why why are you always in her group or why is she always you know trying to single you two together to be in you know these little projects and this is that and the third and it did create a jealousy factor in both women because both women were secretly trying to impress me. You know, my wife, not so secretly because that's my wife. But the <laughs> woman at work, <laughs> I could tell that she was like, well, does your wife do this? And, you know, this, is this going on? Is that? And I just hated what that did for my relationship. And I realized, you know what? I've overstepped my bounds mm-hmm. here. I've, I've given a little too much of my personal life to my work life. And now my work life is trying to kind of threaten my home life, you know, like, and this is where I say it can become financially a ruin for you because that woman started to get so jealous that she was, instead of being a a added thing for me to come to work, it started to be like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to avoid her because, you know, if we get into it or something like that, she might try to tell upper management on me or, you know, try to make up some things to try to get me, um, you know, to lose my job and to, you know, lose my clearance and all these different things. So I could see it as it it can start off platonic. you, You guys can hit it off, but you never know what the other person's emotional maturity is and I think that's when it becomes dangerous because you're playing with the terminology that's leading people to have an emotional connection to you that you know you don't want but you can't be for sure that the other person doesn't want that that's true
0: but it sounds to me like she was single it sounds to me okay okay So that's another thing. So when you have one party that's in a relationship and one party that's single and then they kind of, especially with women, you see someone that kind of has all the characteristics that you would want in a spouse outside of work, like an actual spouse or, or a boyfriend, she was causing that drama she yes she was doing it on purpose in order to she was asking for the tea so she can fill in those gaps that's pretty much all she was doing but when you have so in my situation it was a little bit different and I'll tell you a situation of a of, uh, buddy of mine but in my situation it was a little bit different so I was married and this individual had a girlfriend a long-term girlfriend And so it was a little bit different because we weren't necessarily trying to, there was no need to flip it to try to get in good because we both had a spouse outside that we were pretty happy with. So there weren't really any needs for that. Now, did we have conversations about things that happened? Like, I can't believe my husband did this and it's like, well, you know, he probably did this because of that. Cause you know how us guys are, or if he say, Oh, my girlfriend is asking for this. I don't even know what that means. And then, you know, you start going down. Oh, well, really what she wants is probably this. So it was a little bit different. I think the dynamic, and that's why I was asking, if you bring that to the table, does it sometimes create positive competition? Because, this individual was a little bit more considerate, and they—I'm not gonna say my husband's not considerate, but he was—he's not a big, and he's not a big talker per se a lot oh. of the time. And so, this person is very engaging, and they—they they like to be all worldly and talk about different topics and different things that I like to talk about. And so, in doing that, it made him more so open up. Like, oh, well, you know. I, I, I like to talk too. And so it kind of had <laughs> an adverse, <laughs> different effect on my relationship where it actually did open him up to, like, oh, okay, you know, I, I talk, you know, you know how to, I, I could do that too. But I have seen on the flip side, but again, this person was single. So I had a male friend who was married. He had a coworker who was not, and so he, sh- he always would come and talk about how not gonna say horrible, but not so great cooking his wife did. And so one of the things that she started doing was she started to bake cakes because he really he liked like pies and cakes and sweets and stuff, mm-hmm. which is unusual because men usually don't, but he, he did. And so she would bake him all these, these desserts and like food and he would bring it home <laughs> to his wife you know and it's funny because I talked to his wife too and she was like you know I I, I don't mind him talking to her but I feel some kind of way because you know he told her that I can't cook and now she's showing him that she can and it's yeah. something he's really wanted and his mother is a really good cook and so he's always wanted somebody who's kind of like his mom but she was you know at the same token I was like but The pies are really good, though, and so you like getting the whole pie, like you're feeding you and him at the same time, so you know, you can't be too bad at that.
1: But I... But but doesn't it come back to the, like you said, the flip side of if the shoe was on the other foot, like, if he came home and now his wife was bringing uh, something that a man was doing for her home, you know, like, oh, I saw these Shoes, and I know you really love these shoes, so I grabbed you these shoes. It's just a friend thing. I don't want anything back. Here, take those. And what now, kind of
0: shoes? No, I'm playing. I'm joking. I'm
1: joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> but wouldn't you know? I would think that he would feel some type of way. He would be like, you know what? Dang, like maybe my eye for fashion isn't the same as this guy. And now this guy is kind of trying to show her how life would be with with him you know so it becomes so messy that I just truly believe in these days it's like you can have a work friend but mm-hmm. let's drop the term work spouse let's drop that Cause okay. it's, just, it's it's so weird you know because it leads too much uh, emotional baggage and I don't, I don't I wouldn't want that for my work environment anywhere where you get money I believe you should truly separate um, your emotions, you know, because if somebody gets fired or something happens, you want to still be able to maintain a great relationship at your job and not feel like, Oh man, I'm, I'm in the dumps because my little boo gone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Those are facts. So at the end of the day, I agree with that with you. Let's drop the term work spouse because you're right. Especially from a standpoint of a woman, if my husband came home and said, yeah, my work spouse said I would probably hit him in the throat. So let's drop the term work spouse and let's keep professional professional because at the end of the day, we're not really there. I mean, you can be cordial with your coworkers. But we're really not there to make friends, though. So it should be this professional environment where you get what you need from work, they get what they need, and if you guys talk or maybe go out for a happy hour or something like that in in a group, that's fine. But you should keep professional professional. So I definitely understand where you're coming from. But with that being, you know, said, if you find, because I met
1: my husband at work. Oh wow!
0: So I can't <laughs> necessarily, I'm, you know, it's kind of hypocritical to say that you know you would never, because it, it kind of happened. It wasn't necessarily that I was looking for anybody, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I met him at work. He ended up going to a different location because at the time we were in retail. Like, so this was a this was a long time ago. And so we were in retail. He ended up training in our location, but then he went to his permanent location because, had I actually had to work with my husband, I don't know if we would be married, to <laughs> be totally honest with you. But I did meet him at work. So it did start off as a workplace, you know, buddy situation that turned into a relationship.
1: Yeah. So, I mean,. <laughs> And I love, I love the fact though, that you both were single at that time. I think the work spouse becomes dangerous when you have someone, when you're in a relationship, um, and you're in a relationship and you go to work and there are people that are checking you out that want to be close to you, but they can't necessarily be so upfront with their motives, you know? Um, Because I'm going to give you a a quick example. So my wife, she's at her little new job, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they have this thing where they bring the husbands in or the spouses, and we come in, we meet everybody, and this is at the third. And she had been there for a while. And I noticed that it was these two little guys that every little thing my, my wife did, they was right up under her butt. You know, like every anywhere she turns. Oh, India, let can I do this? And hey, let me grab you that. And uh, oh, are you the husband? Yeah. And I'm just like, wait a minute. I know these guys don't act like this when they're not at work, and I know that they're being extra nice to my wife because they think she she's hot. <laughs> like, and of course, it's like when you pick up on that. It's like, what should you do? You know, like, do you do you have the conversation right then and there with your spouse, or is it like, because I hate letting things fester and then you blow up about it later on.
0: I wouldn't address it. No, not at work because I've I trust. You know, I've seen it all, and even being in in you know the capacity of human, re- like you you see it all, you hear it all. Like I've seen spouses. It, it wasn't. Well, yeah, it was because he was kind of having a relationship with somebody at work. So let me not say that. So the spouse ended up coming up to the job. It was a big thing. She was on the car. They was outside arguing. Like it, it was a mess, mm. and it was all because of a relationship that started with a coworker at work. Uh, <laughs> and so, the wife got wind of it, and so now she's up at the job looking for. One, her husband, and then two, this girl that just so happened to sleep with her husband. And so, and the funny part about it is everybody at work knew that they were like, we would pair them together. Oh, I know so-and-so is with so-and-so. And everybody knew he was married. And so it's, you know, I... I don't know because I just wouldn't address it at work because I feel like that personal stuff should stay home. Don't bring that baggage to work because one of the things you don't want to do because this person got pulled up for that, for that spouse coming up there acting like a monkey. And so you don't want to put your spouse in a situation, especially since most of the time we know, I mean, we argue with our spouses, but most often we end up back with them. And isn't that a hard day when you get written up or you get fired because your spouse came up to the job of acting like a monkey when you could have <laughs> just did that at home? Like, it's just, it's not a good day. So no, just, I, you know, I would address it because clearly if you can see it, and this is the thing that men kill me with this, and I hate to say all all men, but uh, they kill me with this. They think that they see things women don't see. We always see it first. So even if we walk into uh, an establishment and I see a pretty girl that I know my husband finds attractive, I saw her first before he (laughs) even picked up that she was there and has to do that weird, I can't move my neck movement because I don't want to say nothing to me. (laughs) Like, I I already seen it. And it's like, I saw it. Like, I, I know she, you're human and she's beautiful. I get it. I get it. So if you see these two dudes in there, she knows that she knows what's up. And yeah.
1: you know what's funny? I've never been able to say that one. I've I've tried that one. The the hey, you know I'm human, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, you can't say it. She can say it. You can't say
1: it. <laughs> oh man, it's so crazy because sometimes I think. As a man, I'm, I'm a jealous guy, but I'm not, I'm very confident though. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. if somebody does something to make me jealous, it's kind of obvious, you know, it's kind of blatant. Okay. So when I think of like the jealousy factor that can just come up between, you know, uh, the opposite sex, sometimes I feel like men may be more jealous than women, but we just don't show it as much. Uh, you something. I do. I do.
0: I don't know. I, I mean, well, you know, you kind of have a point, though. I mean, so I think men are more territorial, I think women are more jealous. And this is what I mean. So if infidelity happens in a relationship, most often women are more forgiving than men. Men are less likely to forgive an infidelity or a perceived infidelity than a woman would. And I don't think it's necessarily that they're more jealous. I think it's more of a territorial thing. It seems more disrespectful to, in their eyes. I'm not saying that it is, but in men's eyes, it seems more disrespectful because of the art that it takes to really get a woman to fall yeah. for you. It's and, emotional. Right. It's emotional. Right. So he knows that this guy was able to really infiltrate his relationship and do something that he, one, either can't do or he didn't do or couldn't do well. And so that I guess that's a hurt component. Whereas with women, a lot of the times when men stray, it's more physical and that yeah. it, was, it was there. Just like that. I will never forget it. Like Chris Rock is one of my favorite comedians ever and like when he was talking about infidelity and you know men trying to run from it but they really can't run that fast from it like men it's just (laughs) they are as faithful like he said they are as faithful as their options and so I think it's more so like women know that we know that it's more of a physical thing than an emotional thing sometimes it is for men but most of the time it's not and if you even have ever had that conversation of of infidelity with a spouse, and as a man, it's very hard for you as not you as you, but as the for men to explain why they did it.
1: Yeah, it's like yeah, I don't know. She I mean, but... was there. And it was.
0: I, it, it just happened, and it's, it's, it's harder to articulate. Whereas with women, we can say, "Well, you know, you weren't there for me. I was really down. I was feel like we couldn't...
1: Yeah, yeah. You can, you can, you can emotionally tap into when and how you went from point A to point B. But for men, it's, it is kind of like, "Dang, she was just looking so good, <laughs> I just not help myself."
0: Yeah, see, and that's what that's what it is at the end of the day. So. You know, with the, the work spouses, I used to hit the nail on the head. Let's just not call them work spouses, and let's just keep professional, professional. You can have somebody, so let's keep professional, professional. Yeah. Just to avoid it. Just to avoid it. But we also have um, another topic about politics and uh, sports, which we've seen way too much of it recently. Yeah. Um, for, For different reasons, for different reasons. So recently, you know, the Democratic nominee for governor of Maryland, Ben Jealous, recently threw his hat in this political sports race. But it was for good reason. So as you probably know, about three weeks ago, Jordan McNair, who was playing for University of Maryland, he was on the football team He was only 19 years old, died during practice because of a heat stroke. And ESPN had recently, I guess, done an article about the culture. So they had this very macho man, toxic culture where they really didn't allow for a lot of those like feelings and emotions. And if you don't feel well, that doesn't necessarily mean that that is a sign of weakness. And you have to know when to... know your limits of your body, and the only person that really knows that is you. And so I guess he wasn't able to really articulate that in a way that he would be able to tell his coach that I don't feel well without being demeaned or, or put down. So Ben Jealous did call for the athletic director, Damon Evans, to actually be suspended. I think in this situation with Ben Jealous, Uh, getting into this particular arena makes, I think it it makes sense if he was proposing some type of legislation. I think when you start pointing out people or calling out people, I think it does overstep its bounds just a little bit. Um, I'm not saying that Damon Evans was right. I'm not saying that Damon Evans was wrong, you know, as far as the way that he was running the University of Maryland. But I think that, in this particular circumstance, it makes sense. So, like with the whole NFL with the concussions and a lot of politicians rolling into that, that makes sense. What doesn't make sense is when you're calling people out, you know, calling them you know yeah. in holes and you know they don't love their country, and that can become problematic, problematic. <laughs> yeah
1: and and the reason is is because, like you said. It's one thing to propose a rule change, some type of legislation to to like combat this type of behavior. But when you just call a name, you're not you're not you're not really solving anything. You're just you're just trying to find a scapegoat. And a lot of times I feel like politicians harp on these subjects just to get voters, just to get eyes on their campaign. So that later on, when it's time to vote, it's like, hey, remember what I did? Remember who I called out? And not necessarily, oh, well, I came up with something that actually changed how the NFL deals with X, Y, and Z to reduce concussions or to reduce, you know, uh, anything that could be a detriment to this person at their job. And I think a lot of times we forget that even if you play sports, it's still a job. You know, mm-hmm. even if you play it in college, you're at least playing for the money for your scholarship. So it's still a job, right? you know? So without proper rules and regulations in place, I, I personally believe that, um, you know, these young guys can be taken advantage of because right now I still believe politics and sports. Let's be real. College, uh, sports, these guys should be getting paid real money for what they do. But why, why aren't they? True. You know,
0: true. I, I a hundred percent agree with that. When you see that, like some of the coaches that make so much money, like I think Clem, the Clemson coach, I want to say he makes like three or $4 million a, mm-hmm. a year. That's crazy. Coach K makes an, an, a, a huge Amount of money. Um, he's also worshipped, so I, I don't foresee that changing. But it's not fair when you see, and then if they take any type of, you know, money, you know, it, they get them in them. trouble.
1: Solitude. Yeah. Like, and and the one thing that I hate about that is that you have <laughs> you putting their life and bodies on the line. They're taking years you, off of their life. To put butt in these fans and there, a lot of these guys do not make it to the NFL where they get paid. Yep. a lot of them do not finish their degree. So, what are they? What is that hard work and their body being destroyed for in the long run? Really? Right. No,
0: I I agree, and it's it's in in some of them that don't even finish. Uh, or they do finish, excuse me, the ones that do finish, a lot of them still are not on the level that they should be. They, there was an article that was done a couple of years ago about how many of the college athletes could not read on the appropriate level. And basically wow. they didn't care. Like they they didn't have to go to class. They didn't have to learn to read. The basic function of what they needed to do was just to throw a ball or make baskets or whatever it is that they were doing. They were student athletes and they were just bodies in order to make money off of. And that was strictly it. And when you see all the young guys, especially when you're talking about like football or any type of contact sports, like that injure their knee and they have to go on, they can't make it to the NFL because of the, the injuries that they sustain during college. It's right. crazy. And the fact that they didn't get one dime, not off of a jersey, not off of anything, is absolutely crazy to me. And I feel like that's when politicians should get into sports because something should be done about that. It's no way that, like you said, more than half of them don't make it. You have to be not good. You have to be great to make it into professional sports. And that's why it's very hard for these guys to make it out. And I have met so many former athletes who worked in corporate America with me. Like, you know, and they were on your Michigans and your Ohio States and those were the teams that they played for, but they didn't get one dime out of it. And so it's, it's, it's crazy to me. That now
1: yeah. they're <laughs> working a nine to five. And you know what's even more crazy is that let's say you do beat all the odds and you get into the NFL, you get into the NBA. Most of these people are not making the money that they thought that they would make. Because if you're second or third string, you're probably making $100,000 a year. And that hundred or $200,000 a year that you're making is costing your body so dramatically that just the medical bills to take care of you after your career is over, that couple hundred thousand dollars will not cover it. And then on top of that, the NFL doesn't have, like, health care for these men once they transition out of the league. And a lot of people say, well, you know, they can get anchor jobs and hosts and this, that, and the third. Not if your brain has been beat up to the point where you can barely speak. Right.
0: And not even barely speak. Some of them can't articulate very well. And it and it it is, a lot of it does have to do with the time they were little boys. They The focus was never education. Ever, yeah. it was always sports like they were groomed just from and it almost reminds you of i'm not gonna because some people are probably gonna jump down my throat for this but it kind of reminds you a little bit of the slave trade because these they oh, were picked yeah. out because they were big oh he's big he's like i i have friends who have friends i have girls but I have friends who have sons and they're really tall. And we were just talking about this the other day. One of my friends actually was in the store with our son who's about, he's 16, but he's really tall. So he's like six, six or something like that. The guy mm-hmm. followed him around the store. Like, does he play football? Does he play football? <laughs> like, it, because he's big too. And it's like, this is not cool. Like, you know, just because you're, you know, a big guy doesn't necessarily mean that you should be playing sports or that should be your only focus in life and I'm fortunate that I don't have a son and if I did have a son although I am a football fan so I do feel somewhat guilty about that because I'm a really big football (laughs) fan and I do love football. I've loved football for a very long time but it is a hard sport. It is a very hard sport and if I had a son I don't think I would allow him to play.
1: No, no, no. One, the one thing that I, that I love that you, because I have written down here, uh, sports, pro sports leagues are run like sophisticated corporate plantations. Mm-hmm. And the owners, just like in any corporation, set the rules. But if the primary source of employment has no seat at the rulemaking table and are marginalized groups, What ends up happening to that person, they get taken advantage of. The employees get taken advantage of. The guys who put butts in the stands, they get taken advantage of. And the owners, they reap the benefits off of every red dime. And their bodies aren't being put to the limit. So you can be an owner for years and years and years. Your pro sports uh, tenure is about, what, not 15 years? Yeah. In, in, the, in, the, in the NFL, you got, you know, even... even less.
0: than less. If you're a running back, that's, that's a long time. If you're a running back, running
1: back that's it's even less than that. So, how is it... And then, the one thing that I hate about the NFL a lot of times, they promote movies like The Blind Side, mm-hmm. where they show a family rescuing... Uh, a talented young black man, and they give him his the, the 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 golden ticket here if you play sports, you can live in this beautiful home with us you can't I'm not not to say that they probably wouldn't have still had him live there if he didn't you know play sports, but it kind of feeds the narrative to the to the young black man that shoot at least if I grab this football, I might can get this golden ticket out the hood when. They do.
0: That is very sad to me. Um, it, it, and it's true, especially when you look at the rates of African-American boys who play sports that just will so happen to be adopted by or live with white families, you would be astonished. And I'm not saying that it wouldn't, like you said, I'm not saying that they wouldn't have done it if they didn't play sports, but what are the odds <laughs> that, you know, Miss. Susan and, and Mister Chad would go out and say, "All right, come on, you know, you sixteen year old six three two hundred and thirty pound boy that I found off the street and sit in my house. Like, what are the odds of that?" And,
1: and and I think both of us think rationally know that it's it's probably looked at as a bit of an investment
0: mm-hmm. for these
1: people. I, and 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 it's not to say that it didn't positively affect the youth that they're rescuing from these neighborhoods, but it would be, we would be blind to think that the person that's doing the adopting doesn't see a future here, you know, because what's the point of grabbing the person out if they don't believe that there's some payoff somewhere in the end, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree. And a lot of the times when they, they usually meet them older. So very few of them actually were adopted, like, from small kids up until, you know... So they they've were... already shown some type of talent. Right. <laughs> right. So you're a really smart, you know, and if this is an investment. You're a really smart investor because you've watched your investment become more realistic, like a realistic thing, as opposed to mm-hmm. kind of hoping that this kid will become this pro athlete. But it is it is funny that that's one of the only ways that a lot of kids think that they can make it out, and it is sports. And I'm not saying that sports can't be an amazing thing. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan. I don't really like basketball like that. I'm more of a LeBron James fan, and yes, I am. I go wherever he goes. I go. <laughs> I'm one of those people. Yep, wherever. But <laughs> I am definitely a football fan. I do. I love football. It, to me, it's just more exciting. But it is unfortunate that, as a people, most often, especially someone who comes from not a wealthy background, thinks that the only way that you can really get into the top 1% is to become an athlete or some type of entertainer. Because there aren't very many other options, and the wealth gap in in this country now, and this is as of 2018, was the average white family has about $171,000 of investment, so this is minus the debts and stuff that they owe, and this is just some of the generational wealth plays into the factor. The average African-American family of all the wealth and minus all the things that they have to pay and is $17,600. That's a big gap. And so in some ways, they're kind of right. There aren't, for some reason, it just, in order to get out of this poverty cycle, there aren't very many options for African Americans. We're really not in the top 1%. We're not the CEOs of these corporate Fortune 500 companies. And something's got to give or change about
1: that. Well, it's it's the narrative and the marketing. Because the NFL pays a lot of money to market to minorities that hey, this is your golden ticket. You know, every time I see a Jordan commercial or an NFL commercial, they're like, "Hey, if you work hard, if you put your all into this, you can be rich and live like these guys too." And it's like, it's it's such a false parallel because yeah, you could, but the chance are just like pulling the lottery ticket. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's like, just like what they do with the lottery, they tease us like, yeah, you could become a three, you could have $3 billion, this, that, and the third. And the people who get that money when they win the lottery, just like in the NFL, they lose it just as quick as they got it because they weren't taught how to keep it. True. So what does it even matter if you do win the golden ticket if you weren't trained and prepared to know what to do with it afterwards, you know? So it's a perpetual, uh, dream that's been, uh, marketed and packaged and delivered to the minorities. And guess what? We're buying it hook, line and sinker. And it's snake oil for most of us. It's snake oil.
0: And, you know, just to kind of take it back a little bit, and I'm not picking on white families for adopting black boys and giving them a better life. I'm not doing that in no way, shape, or form. I believe if you can give a child a better life, no matter what age, do it. Um, I will also say this. A lot of African-American parents do it too, with the hope that their children will one day become these super athletes. So there are a lot of people who put their kids in sports with this hope. And I... Really, you know, and I think the marketing factor is it, and it. And a lot of people don't realize that, like we said, you just being good is not enough. You just no. you just can't be good. You have to be LeBron James. You have to be <laughs> Steph Curry. You have to be Kevin Durant, which he's also a, a Southern Maryland boy. Um, but you just can't be. The average run of the mill, but I think people flock to football, and I'm not don't check my head about this, but I think people flock to <laughs> football more because you have I'm not saying that because football players are great athletes, but I think sometimes but, you do get more of an opportunity in order to play football because they do need those bodies yeah. um, in order to be able to take those hits, and so sometimes. You do get people who make it through in the NFL. I mean, in the NBA, too, or the Major League Baseball, too. But I think more so in the NFL, like, you have more of an opportunity just based on your size more so than just our ability alone. Because they do need people to be able to take those hits. Now, there are some great athletes. I'm not saying that they're not. They are amazing athletes. Like, Tom Brady is an amazing athlete. Um, mm-hmm. you know Emmitt Smith, Catch-22 is an amazing athlete like there are some <laughs> BoJack's they're amazing athletes and trust and believe I'm not taking that away even Ray Lewis um, who I have a love a love hate relationship with <laughs> from time, <to> time. <laughs> but he, he was an amazing athlete and so I'm not taking that away but I do want people to understand that there is there, there's a lot of politics that play into the game. And when you're putting yeah. your kids in any type of sports or, or little league or whatever it is, you kind of have to know that going in because it's very sad that that 19 year old, you know, Jordan lost his life, lost his life over, over something that was insigni- very insignificant, like a heat stroke. I mean, I'm- just because he couldn't he like he didn't want to let that be known that you know yeah, I, I don't feel right. what, i don't feel well you know and have somebody continuously pushing you past your level of comfort so just know that they do have those systems in place and i hope that there are some rules that are set in motion now what i don't want to see is the president of the united states on twitter or having Twitter wars about something that he doesn't necessarily understand. Right. And his, right. a lot of his followers don't either. And I don't know how, at this point, I don't know if we should still be explaining it. Cause I don't think they want to hear it. Mm. It's a difference between not understanding and not wanting to listen. So at this point they don't want to hear it. I'm, I mean maybe saying not understanding is probably not the right word cuz I completely believe that he knows. He we have said it a million times. Or maybe not because you know he was in a meeting with Angela Merkel of Germany and he mm-hmm. asked her 10 times how that they can improve trade relations or set up trade relations with Germany. And she said, you have to do it through the EU. So it took 10 times her saying that to him before he finally (laughs) kind of got it. So maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't understand. But for a lot of his followers, it's not about not understanding. It's that I don't want to hear that. It doesn't fit the narrative of what I want
1: to believe. Well, the thing is, if, if you're an avid sports fan and this was one of my questions that I had um for you. What does it really solve to know how your favorite player is voting? You know, like that's one of the things that cuz I feel like if you're the, the the majority in this in this country, mm-hmm. do you really want to tune into the NFL and think and see a Colin Kaepernick or see these guys who are bringing politics to maybe the one time of the week that you have to kind of relax and chill out. You don't want to hear or see this crap, you know, like it's not a factor. You don't, it doesn't bother you in your everyday life. So when it comes time to, for you to get your entertainment, for you to feel good, for you to cheer, you don't want to be reminded of another person's plight, you know? And I think, what that internally does is turn people away from even wanting to hear what these people have to talk about that are protesting or boycotting or taking a knee. They don't want to hear it. They just know that their sports are being delayed and taken away from them. That's so, true. you know, so whatever they have to do to get rid of our voice in sports. And and this is another sad thing about sports. If we're the ones, if we're the minorities that's putting our bodies on the line in the NFL, why on earth should we not have a commercial that's given to our plight? If the majority of your employees are from this demographic, why don't they have a voice on the platform that they're risking their life and their body for? Why? That's very true. So for politics, for me, I'm, I'm like, look, If politics can in some form give our brothers that are putting their life and and bodies on the line to entertain us every week, we should give 15 minutes, 20 minutes at the end or the beginning of the game for them to voice their struggles and what they're going through. But because these owners are throwing millions at these guys, what they do is tell them, hey, shut up, don't say anything or we'll ruin your livelihood." You only got eight years, nine years, ten years to be effective and to make this type of money. Do you want to ruin your life and your family's one chance of becoming generationally wealthy to bite the hand that's feeding you? You know, so I, I don't I, – I really do hate the politics and business, but if it's – it, I mean, in sports, but if it's going to give us a voice – then we should fight for it and we should support the people who've lost their careers trying to give us a voice like Colin Kaepernick. There should be a GoFundMe for Colin Kaepernick. You know, there should be people that's wanting to help uh, restore what he's lost. And that's the biggest flaw in the minority community. Well, really in the black community where we don't stand up for the people who take the blows for us. You know, we let them take the blows, and then it's just like, oh, well, whatever happens to them in a year or two to get them. So yeah. guess what? When 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 the, when the next time something happens and there's an injustice, don't be mad if nobody takes a knee or nobody shows publicly that they feel this type of way. Because guess what? I don't want to play with $20 million. Do you?
0: All right. No, I I... I... I completely agree with you that we definitely need to stand up for the people who stand up for us. And a lot of the times, because so many things are going on, we forget about it and move on to the next one, but we have to have a segment just about Colin Kaepernick alone, because I probably have a little bit of a different perspective on that than you do. Um, So it's, it's kind of an interesting one that I have because when you see the timeline of things and the breakdown of things, it starts to make sense, at least to me, because I'm a very analytical person and, and some of the things that have been said over that he has said over the years, I think actually have had adverse effects on the African American community, like don't vote and stuff like that. So I think his message was a, you know, a great message in what he did and what he started, because it definitely started a conversation but I think that he maybe wasn't the best messenger for it. Mm. So, good. you know, we'll talk about that on, an, on, on another, you know, platform. And I'm not saying that you have to be a perfect person to have a point and to make a difference. That's not what I'm saying. And that's not, you know, what I'm saying at all. But on another day and at another time, we'll talk about that whole deal. And the opinions on that whether they are realized or not but I just will talk about that on another day but cool. the next episode is actually going to air so we're going to have it air next week and you guys can tune in so that you can hear more about us and if you have a topic that you are really really interested in you can feel free to reach out to us directly and then we'll include our contact emails and our telephone numbers so if you want to be a part of the show or you have a topic that you would love us to discuss you can send it over to us but this has been you know business casual with leith winnie and miles brown and we will definitely be back again next week all right see you guys
1: all right Hey guys, sorry that me and Lisa couldn't get to all of the topics. Um, We ran out of time there at the end, but keep following us. We're going to be doing some Facebook lives. Uh, We're trying to put those together for scheduling. Um, We got uh, little babies in the background (laughs) that um, require our attention. And yeah, so follow us. Thanks.